coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. Whatever it was was large, and it was in a tree above me, mm-hmm. and it was making these guttural sounds, like crunching, like it was eating something. Dude, like, that's really weird because that's where I had my experience. Really? It jumped off your RV. What? Yeah. Why were you in my home, John? I I was just walking along the house, and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I heard like, and then it just this huge figure just dropped on the ground and what? then took off. Yeah. Well, you should have told me when I was living inside there, there was a monster. <laughs> it just totally freaked me out. How have we not heard that story? Not heard that story. That's a crazy sort of sighting, this craft just floating there, then gone in an instant. I love the breakaway civilization, this idea that it's been able to create a sort of offshoot human race. I mean, who knows, building cities on the backside of the moon or whatever, you know? Space is not real, Chris. Oh, shush. (laughs) (laughs) That house broke us. My parents split up and we lost everything. That house was a curse. Oh, that is sad. Sounds like Amityville. There must have been some demonic force in that house. Building that addition might have conjured something. Opened something up. It's like it released something. There are these places in different homes around the world where there's just something waiting. Like this thing was freaking huge, black eyes. But the creepiest thing was the way this thing moved, almost like a glitch. Pretty creepy. The most interesting part of that story is the way this creature is moving. Yeah, that makes it supernatural. So is it something that's shifting interdimensionally or is it shape-shifting? That is a question with the black dog phenomenon. Is it a forewarning? An some omen? Impending doom. Impending doom. Impending doom. I think, uh, which I thought was funny, was her boyfriend got up because he was so scared that he jumped up on the porch swing and stepped on her hand mm-hmm. and like, pinned her and there. She's like, it's over. She's like, needless to say, it, that didn't look very good from a boyfriend <laughs> perspective. <laughs> Wasn't there a time, Jeremy, where you pushed your girlfriend in front of an oncoming uh, attacker? Yes. <laughs> well, I did, it wasn't an attacker. Take her. Oh, it was a kid. You pushed her in front of well, an no, attacker. Well, no, that's not exactly what happened. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the stories. Synchronicity, Sasquatch, Homunculus, Alien Races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Like, Close the door, injury. Close your door. What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, Corey Feldman, Magicians are demons, Spectres, Spirits, Sleep Paralysis, Strange Disappearances, Sky Whale Phenomena, yes! Alternative History, Shadow People. Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Well, hello, Beliefings. Well, hello, hello, listeners. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Belief Hole. Yeah, today's going to be a fun episode. We are going to be covering some strange stories that are mostly from our own listeners. Yeah, we finally have we've collected a goodly number, and we mm-hmm. won't be able to tell them all in this episode. So we're going to definitely have to do a follow-up listener stories episode. We've got some juicy ones. Yeah, so thanks everybody for sending those in. Yeah. Well, it's nice to be able to do some listener stories in our brand new studio space. It's... It's just a room over. Yeah. Yeah, it's one room next but door. But it's so much nicer. <laughs> yeah, it's literally like three feet from the other room we had. But now there, there's, 
it's just we're more relaxing in here. I can see a pine tree we through were, the window. We were on top of each other before. Yeah. We were kind of crammed into this closet space almost. It's very but, intimate. Oh, it feels so much better to be in yeah. this room. And Jake's in here. My dog is the mascot and he's in here and someday we'll have cameras in here and then we get to see their dog. My dog. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to mention that I feel much more at peace in yeah. this room. Hopefully that resonates through the radio waves and you guys feel the peace and the calm. When we dive into some of the deeper, darker areas. Yeah, hopefully this larger space will reduce some of the, the tension that might have been there. Yeah, we're always just an inch away from smacking each other in the face out of anger and rage. But now I just feel like I can give hugs all day long. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> interesting uh, way to describe We're doing that it. later, right? Hugs? Hugs, yeah. So, yeah, what kind of stories we have coming up? We've got a good old smattering of different sorts of interesting phenomena-related stories, including um, we've got unidentified craft that may be alien, or maybe you have some evidence to suggest here that it might be experimental, dark, deep, black projects in Dayton, Ohio, right? Potentially. Potentially based off of some sort of other-dimensional or otherworldly craft technology. We have an interesting story submitted by a listener by the name of Mike, who actually submitted it a long time ago, back in uh, 2018, October. So we're finally getting to some of these older stories. And his was really good because he actually provided a couple artist renderings that he had done up of what the craft looked like. And then we found some surprising corroboration of uh, stories in the same kind of area around Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So that's going to be an interesting one to be covering coming up. Yeah, and then we got a couple to follow up on that from Kirsten. Um, And then we are going to get into some more spooky stuff. Some ghost tales, tales of specters and spooks. Some glitchy black dogs. Some glitching animals, yes. Some Heidi. Some shapeshifters. We've got graveyard bells and some animal afterlife encounters. We are essentially Art Bell. What's that show called? Oh, Coast to Coast. Coast to Coast. Coast to Coast. Yeah, Art Bell used to have, I think George Norrie might still do it, but they were live call-in episodes. Those were always my favorite growing up because mm-hmm. they would just be random truckers and housewives calling in and telling the most bizarre, fantastical experiences. Housewives, huh? I'm just throwing another Only option out there. Just truckers and housewives. <laughs> Working wives as well, I'm sure. Um, but if they're at home, it's people that are, you know, have some time, you know, to listen to. Right, right. To call in. I see what you're saying. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to do sort of our own. Is this our first one? Now we for Halloween, I think this year we collected oh, some stories. True. That's yeah. true. That's true, Jeremy. You're right. Thank you. Was it that a full show of just stories? Pretty yeah, much. For I the guess. most that part. makes sense. Yeah, we had we had collected some stories locally that we'd gone around and recorded, and then we had a few submissions. Organic and local, grass fed. Locally grown <laughs> stories. Uh so if you guys haven't heard that, go check out our Halloween episode. Yeah, it was year. a great episode. But I think this one's gonna be even richer, even more full, and even more varied with the sorts of stories that we're doing. And we took some time and tried to find some corroboration for certain experiences, and then other experiences have some interesting historical facts related to maybe the story depending on well you'll see as we venture into the dark truth yeah no more notes of truth please (laughs) specters of potential okay we can use that (laughs) i don't like that either (laughs) got a real ring to it john wordy (laughs) specters of potential a little clumsy (laughs) i don't even know what that means i don't know just the first thing that came to my mind i was just trying to help there are sinews of reality yeah but anyway do we want to jump into the first story we have all right to begin our stories for this evening The first revolves around an interesting case of strange craft seen in the skies over uh, the outskirts between Dayton and Columbus, Ohio, right? Correct. Yeah, I would say uh, for out 70 in the direction of Dayton, coming out of Columbus? Well, we will hear in the story here. This comes from Mike. Chris, do you want to start us off? This comes from, uh, we received this story on November 18th of 2018. Had it for a while. This We had to dig back through the archives. To we get did. To this we one. want to make sure we're not missing any stories. So if you guys don't hear stories, hang tight or just send us a reminder. 
Um, and we also, have, we've sent out some emails and haven't heard back. So if you guys are waiting for a response from us and haven't heard back, check your junk email folder or just send us an email to follow up. And if you're ignoring us, you can go to hell. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe not. That's a little rough. <laughs> purgatory. Go to heck. Uh, all right. All right. Shall we begin? Let's begin. My experience happened in Columbus, Ohio and surrounding areas during the summer season in the mid to late 90s. I was working a second shift job in Columbus and lived about half hour west, almost exactly between Columbus and Dayton. For about a week at night, every night, me and the people I worked with would look west and see three lights in the sky. What are those? Uh, I don't know. They were remarkable enough that they were a constant topic of conversation. On the way home, I would typically take Interstate 70. I would see the lights all the way home. As I said, there were three but they were bigger than the stars and would move in specific patterns. If you're looking out of your windshield, looking west, the patterns would take shape like this. Light number one would go up and down on the left side in an elongated oval pattern. This pattern would repeat the entire time you were watching it. Light number two would travel right to left, just across and above the horizon in a slow tracking motion. However, when it reached the end of its route, it would turn upward like it was going to go left, then completely vanish. A couple seconds later, it would reappear on the far left of your field of view, slowly turn downward and continue to travel right again. And the pattern continued. Light number three would travel like light number one, but on the right side of your view of vision. As it reached the top of its seeming path, it would seem to get larger. Then it would get smaller as it traveled downward. I made the assumption that when it was getting bigger, it was coming closer to me. One night, instead of driving the highway, I decided to take the back roads because it was a nice, warm, clear night. And after a long day at work, it was relaxing to drive home slowly with the radio on and the windows down, and I could watch the lights. For some reason, I had the idea to try to get their attention. So every time I turned on a road that was headed west towards the lights, I would flash my high beams. I was more than halfway home driving with the flashing of my lights when I noticed light number three seemed to be getting larger. I found an open field and pulled off onto a road that the farmers used to get their machinery into the field. I left my brights on and got out of the car. What happened next, I'll never forget. As I stood outside my idling car, off the side of the road in an empty field, light number three moved closer and closer until I began to discern some type of ship. The ship was a dark color, black, dark gray, or blue. I guess it was 50 to 70 feet long and maybe 50 to 100 feet above my car. It made no noise. It was an elongated teardrop shape, and its exterior looked to be texturized, very similar to what you'd see in the walls of a soundproof room. It had swept back wings. Along the leading edge of each wing were yellow-white lights that looked opaque. It made me think of porthole windows, but I didn't see anything in them, and you couldn't see through them, though it was low enough that if there were something there looking through, you would have been able to see them. At the end of each wing and at the nose of the craft was what looked like spotlights that were a brighter yellow color than the porthole lights. These lights did seem to shine towards the ground, but their light never seemed to reach the ground. Again, no sound. It drifted over my car entirely with no noise. No wind, nothing. The experience lasted probably 10 to 15 seconds. I watched it go over my car from front to back. I turned to look at the other lights. They were doing the same routine. I turned back to look at the craft and it was gone. Nothing. What in 
There was no cloud for it to hide behind, no tree to block my view. It was just simply there. Then two seconds later, it was gone. Gone from everywhere. All I saw were the usual summer stars, (laughs) the horizon, and the glow of the lights of Columbus 20 miles behind me. I got in my car and drove home. As I drove home from that spot, I could still see the other two lights doing their dance, but I didn't see the other light. After this instance, I always carried a small video camera and binoculars in my car until I was able to get to a smartphone. That's a crazy sort of sighting in my mind. There's I, an image here that he provided. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard many aerial sightings that describe this sort of craft where it's like this teardrop-shaped thing. And yeah, we'll have the image in the show notes. And then these wings that are kind of sucked back. And I think he said that in the illustration, the wings are even lower than they really were. They were even more streamlined with the craft. Yeah, they're swept swept back is the term he used. Yeah. Kind of, and there's an image, we'll have this in the show notes, guys, that he drew. It's kind of a crude uh, paint bucket kind of drawing that he provided. To me, this this definitely seems like it could be military right. technology mm-hmm. that we yeah. just don't know about. Well, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing too. It's right near the Air Force Base. I mean, it could have some connection to some sort of extraterrestrial or interdimensional tech, considering uh, some, right. some of the other reports coming it out of Wright Patterson. from the earlier Roswell crash. And right. that's one of the things about Wright Patterson. Anyone that knows anything about their extraterrestrial UFO lore knows that supposedly, as the story goes, whistleblowers have come out and said that the bodies that supposedly were in the wreckage at Roswell were transported up to Wright Patterson. Airspace. Hmm. I, th- I believe along with the uh, the wreckage, some of the wreckage. Yeah, that's where the wreckage from that incident went. Was Wright Patterson, which makes sense if, if they were going to develop and back engineer the technology, it might be coming from Wright Patterson. What a weird thing to see. imagine seeing something like that. This silent floating. How that'd be kind of terrifying. It's quiet. It looks I've alien. Seen. I've I've seen. I mean, like, but to actually see the craft itself. Oh like, yeah. Uh, like hundred feet above you. You know, like just floating there and well, then yeah. then gone in an instant. Yeah. You, you know? know, I don't think we ever really talked about this, but I think this is. Just the fact that our technology seemed to just take off after. Mm-hmm. Not, not it like built up over time, but it, is it a coincidence that computers started to develop after these purported crashes a long time ago? Right, right. It's always been to me like an obvious connection. Mm-hmm. I think we just never really touched on that. Well, yeah, before. you look at the exponential rate of growth in technological industries and how fast we've had, and not just in one field, it's been all different sorts of industries. And like, yeah, of course there are things you can point to. And there's stories, there's plenty of stories about uh, alleged technology that we can point to to say that originated in, uh, for like fiber optics is one that has mm-hmm. always said in UFO lore that that came from extraterrestrial craft. The fact that sending uh, information through light as opposed to just right. the old-fashioned wire. That was allegedly something that we got from a craft. Then again, of course, there are so many stories about, you know, even um, even Bob Lazar said crafts were so far ahead of us that they didn't even know where to begin to right. back engineer. So it, who knows? I know? really wish that we could know what they had. Like all of the technology that is kept under wraps, yeah. like it could probably blow our minds. Free energy for sure. Well, yeah. yeah, a lot of people have come out and said, and not, not even like connected to necessarily like UFO tech or anything, but just as far as advanced technology that, Cloaking and right, yeah. The idea that, like, uh, whatever we're doing right now, imagine 50 to 100 years ahead, 
And like, right. that's what we're allowed to see. We we yeah. have something. Hoverboards? Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Kissing just, girls just scooting on hoverboards? Around, <laughs> they're scooting around and they're like in the military headquarters underground. Oh, it's funny. That's a throwback to the- Was that Patreon? It was Patreon. Yeah, Chris had a dream where he was on hoverboards and flying around and kissing girls when he was, okay, when granted, he was younger. Granted, I was like 12 years old, yeah. so it was like the height of my fantasy. This is last year. The height of my fantasy. <laughs> Dreamed that last night. But no, you're right. And uh, I love Richard Dolan always talks about the breakaway civilization. This idea that the advancement of our technology is, you know, obviously way more evolved than we know about and it's been able to create a sort of offshoot human race that has been developing technology and going off world to different places i mean who knows building cities on you know the yeah. backside of the moon or whatever you know space is not real chris oh shush. Well, some, some, of that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of that came out with uh the gary mckinnon incident right with the hacking oh yeah so if any of you guys don't know, Gary McKinnon kind of became famous in the underground UFO community for supposedly hacking into different departments with the Pentagon and, and uh, NASA. And he downloaded with his super slow bit modem. We talked about this before, mm-hmm. basically. He was able to see this image, among other things, like a sheet of off-world officers. Right, amazing. That points to like there being some existence of some secret military group that's you know off-world. But beyond that, he downloaded a picture of this gigantic cylinder, cigar-shaped object floating just above uh, you know the Earth. So yeah, connected to that is what we're going to get into now because we're talking about this back engineering of this technology. Something that was interesting to note that Mike wanted to note about his story was he had a friend who worked at Wright-Patterson at the time in Dayton and uh, his friend would tell him stories of how he there was a certain area on the base that he did not have access to. And they told him that if he were to ever step in that area, that he could be shot. Right, yeah. Um, and so that ties into some of the, the lore that we've talked about at Wright-Patterson and the wreckage that may have been sent there, the secret technology that may be being reverse engineered. Um, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. That's aptly placed. You should have the bell ringer, by the way. People keep asking for that. There it All is. Right. That's back. back in business. Okay. Now I feel suddenly good about what I'm saying. All right. So I found on the uh, National UFO Reporting Center's website, or um, New New Fork, or I forget what the the acronym is. I think it's New Fork. Okay, but it's the National UFO Reporting Center. I wanted to find, you know, kind of like on MUFON, I wanted to find similar reports in the area if I could find anything. And I found one that was strikingly similar. Cool. When I read this other report that I found also taking place outside of Dayton, actually Cincinnati, but in the direction of Dayton, I was reading the description and looking at Mike's drawing of what he saw mm-hmm. outside of Columbus, and it's it's almost identical. That's crazy, and it's and it's so unique at the same time, yeah. which has made made me feel like there might be a connection to this technology. If you want to read this, this is uh, titled "Bright Light Ship Cloaked Out on Me Right in Front of My Eyes." Oh, cool! This occurred on uh, October twenty seventh, two thousand thirteen, and reported on November eighth, two thousand thirteen, and it takes place in Cincinnati. As always, I was out on my deck checking out the clear dark sky. I do this several times during the evening, every night, whether it's clear out or not. I have these binoculars that can see stars that the naked eye can't see without them. I had just got done scanning the western skies when an airliner coming out of the south heading east caught my eye. I followed the plane for a few seconds, now I'm facing east, and I bent my head back while turning to the west, and this huge bright light caught me really by surprise. It just wasn't there a few seconds ago. I live next to an airport and have flown myself a few times, so when I say that it was about 15,000 feet, that's a pretty good guess. So anyway, I latch onto this light with these binoculars and I'm watching it fly overhead for about a minute and all of a sudden the light goes out, but I can still see the damn thing. I'm watching this for 30 seconds when it just cloaked out on me. That's right, it just disappeared on me. I saw what looked like heat waves first, 
and it slowly just disappeared, and it didn't make a sound. I got a really good look at this ship. It was teardrop-shaped, with two small ends going forward. It looked to be black and gray in color. That sounds a lot like it. Yeah. With oval-shaped windows on the sides. It looked like a large light with some sort of markings on the bottom. I am in the process of making a mechanical drawing of the ship. I feel like Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters of the Third Kind with all the sketches and drawings I have hanging around in my office. This is by far the coolest thing that I have ever seen. So that description, like looking at Mike's drawing and mm-hmm. knowing that this is a completely different account, right. but also in Ohio, kind of southern Ohio area, yeah. it being black and gray with kind of swept back wings, the kind of porthole looking windows, oval shaped windows in, in his account on the side. I just thought that was kind of strikingly similar. Right, in the typical silent right. mode, you know. I was just going to mention real quick about Mike's story. You know, there's a couple things that are definitely make it seem advanced technology, if not uh, something from another planet or dimension. It's the, of course, the silence Right, just like this other account was silent. But then being there and then being able to disappear in a moment. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just like in the second account where he right. talks about cloaking. Like it cloaked out right in front of yeah. him. Yeah, you know? interesting. And I love that he's looking through his binoculars and then it, the light disappeared, but he could still see the form of it. That's right. what's creepy. Like it turns off because it doesn't want to be seen, but you can still see the shape of the craft. Yeah, that is a little spooky. Okay, now when I was looking at this, the National UFO Reporting Center, I came across, I was doing a, just a keyword search for Wright-Patterson, and there was an interesting uh, story report on there that just mentioned Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. This person's grandfather, 92 years old, essentially saying that he had experience working at the base. And he referenced the fact that at least one extraterrestrial craft had actually crashed at Roswell in July 1947, or near Roswell. Right. And that they had, quote, primarily an iron-aluminum alloy. Basically, we'll have this in the show notes, but just goes on to talk about the technology that's there. Interesting. Yeah, and anybody out there that lives near, we got a lot of Ohio listeners, anybody that lives around that area, if you've seen anything strange around Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, let us know, because I know there's tons of strange accounts and strange things seen in those skies. And there's so much to get into with the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and the alleged things that have gone on inside the base and what they're working on. We could do a whole episode on that. Maybe we will. Yeah. But we have a couple other UFO stories sent in from Kirsten. Mm, okay. So these are kind of interesting. She sent a speak pipe in. Uh, if you guys have a story you want to send through the speak pipe, that's speak always an option. Up. Speak it up. Or record it yourself and send it through email because you can go longer. I think the speak pipe is only 90 seconds. Right. Yeah, you'd have to do a multiple that way. If you have to do a speak pipe, you don't have the equipment or know-how to do your own fun recording. Most people know how to record at this point. Just, yeah. If you have a phone, you could probably figure it out. Yeah. Um, but if not, speak pipe. If you have to do it that way, you can send in multiples and we can stream them together or, you know. Anyway. Just get us your stories, people. All right. These are from Kirsten. Hi. So my name's Kirsten Ivy. I am a little bit of a secondhand listener, but still a fan. My husband always plays the podcast in the car when we're driving somewhere. So captive audience turned fan. Nice work, Nate. But I thought of a story my dad had told us a few times growing up. It was a story his father had told him. It had happened when when my dad was a kid, but my grandfather didn't tell anyone for years afterwards. He um, worked the afternoon shift uh, most of his life and would drive home after midnight. This is in Great Falls, Montana, on a farm, kind of in the middle of nowhere, actually, outside of Great Falls. He said that one night, as he drove near the barn, he stopped because he saw a cigar-shaped object aglow above the houses. It was silent, and he stopped not sure what to make of it. 
said he watched it for a minute or so as it hovered above the houses and then slowly moved towards the west and then a moment was gone and that was it he hardly ever talked about it unless his children questioned him and pushed him interesting yeah that's um part of the older generations i feel too there's the the reluctance to talk about something that they cannot explain right you know you don't want different now yeah there's way more of a stigma of you know speaking up about these sorts of experiences yeah back then but now it's so popularized that it's kind of you know yeah. it's not that's why paranormal is so uh popular now because it's so accepted you know yeah. it used to be now it's kind of cool and like we can talk about this stuff but yeah, we were growing up it was pretty nerdy <laughs> yeah, you were a weirdo if you had filing cabinets full of Loch Ness monster right. accounts. Like and I, I think did. you know, you go back even That's further. Kind of weird, I guess. You know, our parents' age or our grandparents' age, it was like you're insane. Yeah. So it went from insane to like you're kind of a dork to now it's like what? What paranormal group are you in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, things have definitely changed a lot. Yeah, that story reminds me. The cigar shaped reminds me of uh, Dad. Dad, remember that famous oh, yeah. that famous story? Famous to us, but that story that his his principal it was a superintendent of schools. That's what it was. Superintendent at the schools, uh, what Wayne County or something. Uh, he was having a cocktail party. And at some point, he leaves, goes to the bathroom, looks, or maybe the kitchen window. walks out on the back deck, is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it's telephone because I don't remember exactly the details. But yeah, he looks out the window or is on the back deck, and he sees hovering over the field this long cigar-shaped object. The football field long, yeah. Right. And this guy was like, you know, sober as death, or you would say. Sober as death. That's a phrase to say. Dark description. Yeah, it's just a very, like, a guy that would not make stories up. Right. But again, you know, Kirsten's story, her grandfather's experience, again, the silent shape. Right. The light in the sky that's silent with the dark craft. Cigar-shaped, yeah. Well, let's do another story from Kirsten. Yeah, one more from her, and I think this is more about a story that her dad told her that he had heard from his substitute teacher when he was growing up. Let's check it out. So this is another story from my dad that he was told when he was in seventh or eighth grade. So this would have been 60 years ago. They had a substitute teacher for several days. My dad said he remembered him as a tall, lanky fellow who was balding with glasses, who also taught high school for a while. Um, And one day in class, they were talking about flying saucers. And one of the students asked him if he had seen one. You ever seen a flying My dad said he teach? remembers that the teacher became very grave and sober and said that he had seen one. Yes, I have. So, of course, all the students perked up and wanted to know more and urged him to tell the story. My dad said he was very hesitant, though, about telling his story. Oh, all right, all right. He said that he'd been out hunting with two other fellows in Montana, and they saw something in the sky that disappeared over the horizon. Did you see that? So, curious, they decided to drive over and see where it had disappeared, because they weren't sure what it was, and they weren't really sure what to expect, but they figured they'd go check it out. Let's go find out. They went over a small hill and headed down, and then right there in the middle of the road was a saucer. There it is! craft sitting on its landing gear. They lurched to a stop and stared, not knowing what to do. The reality of what they were seeing hit them. They threw the truck into reverse and got out of there as fast as possible. And that was it. He said he told the story, but most people just laughed at him. So they didn't talk about him. Yeah. (laughs) Typical. Typical student teacher. 1940s and 50s people. I love those vintage UFO stories, like landing 
Or the landing, landing gear. gear. It does seem what's weird about this stuff is it does change with time, the decades. Generations. Yeah, like they get sleeker. I mean, and that just makes it seem like it's like right. that could be being built, right? Or it that could would be, make much more sense. Or it could be science pop culture projecting that onto what they're saying. So that's hallucinations. There must have been landing gear there because I see it on all the you know. Science it's more likely magazines. I think that there is just a that's the predominant alien race visiting at the time. Like that's the Nabushans from Kawasaki. <laughs> Maybe they're the just evolving gear. like we are. Like you know, the, <laughs> they're getting worse. 20, 20, no, like 2010, you know, like the new automobile comes out to oh, 2020. Yeah. It's like a different, and they're just getting better too. Just yeah, faster. Just upgrading. No, but that does raise some, it, I, I'm, it's probably if the UFO thing is real and there is alien technology, then it's probably a combination of all those Absolutely. things. Absolutely. That's the thing. Like, you know, you can't, see anything that's in the sky that we can't identify, it, there's no no reason to think that's all from the same source. Right. right. You know. Yeah. There's an infinite level of possibilities out there in our universe. Interdimensional, inner earth, outer space, you know, mm-hmm. in our minds. In our minds. Yeah, there's all kinds in of explanations. Hearts, in our dreams. And of course, you know, these are these specific stories are coming from generations ago that were secondhand, thirdhand stories. So who knows how the details factual, have shifted. Yeah, and how factually, I mean, this substitute teacher could have been like, I'm going to tell these kids a tale because they're kids. I want to give them a fun story to tell their parents or something. Right. But we, we like to consider the outer ideas, you know. Consider all information, keep what works, and then toss out what, what you find filterable. It doesn't seem to gel. Do what thou wilt. <laughs> thank it's you, Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you guys for those stories. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get into some more firsthand accounts with some spooky stuff. We've got some ghost encounters. we got some shape-shifting coming up. We've got some experiences with real high strangeness. Yes, and haunted homes. Mm-hmm. So stick around. We'll be back in a minute, guys. Take care while we're gone. <laughs> I do, I do, it's all real. They're outside the right now. available to take your call, but you can leave what? your story at the sound what? of the tone. No, 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 they're, they're outside right now. They're outside. Do you have a spooky story? Don't wait until it's too late. Give us a call. Beliefhole.com. Guess what? We're back. Welcome back. We missed you. All right, guys, we're about to get into some some of the spookier stories. Shapeshifters! <laughs> yes, John. Represent. Now, this first story coming from Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. By the way, great patron. Thanks for the support. This story coming from Heidi, it's not it's not necessarily a shapeshifter, right? It's hmm. just kind of, wasn't it more of a black dog, maybe other dimensional Could have been something entity? to do with Native American burial ground, she talks. Oh, I don't she, want to give it away, but. Does she mention that in her story? The end, yeah. Oh, Jiminy. Well, this definitely relates to the black dog phenomenon we covered before. Oh, absolutely does. It's a global phenomenon. 
And, you know, the stories of black dogs often an aspect to it that seems metaphysical in nature, which, you right. know, relates to her story. Absolutely. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear Heidi's uh, story. Do we have it, John? Yeah, get ready for the suction sound. Here we go. I <laughs> love it. Hey, guys, I wanted to share with you a story from my adolescence that still sticks pretty clearly in my mind today. And it's a story that I actually experienced with a couple other people. So validating that I'm not completely crazy. To give you a little bit of background, I grew up in this tiny town in southeastern Indiana called Osgood. Literally, the town has one stoplight. And I think if you drive a quarter mile through town, you have gone through both sides of town. It's a farming community, and I grew up on this rural property. And when I was around 15 and a half, I remember I had my first boyfriend, and it was probably close to fall. I do remember that it was the first time that he ever came over to visit. And I had a friend of mine over, of course, for moral support. But we were all hanging out in the backyard. We grew up on a property that had several acres of land. The backyard faces this giant field and it kind of opens up. There's a tree line to the very end of the field. And then on the far right-hand side, there's trees that line both sides of that field. And to the left is pretty much all open land. There are really no neighbors around, so you can see pretty clearly what's going on in front of you. We were all just kind of hanging out on this porch swing that we had out in the yard, just talking and being like typical goofy teenagers. And it was getting close to evening. And I remember we were just sitting there like laughing, having a good time. And then all of a sudden, to our left, where the edge of the yard meets the start of this field, this <laughs> dog appeared. Ooh, I like that. And it wasn't like a normal dog. I know we have coyotes on the property. I know what coyotes look like. This thing was freaking huge. Really, we all felt it before we saw it, if you know what I mean. Our eyes like went immediately to where this thing was standing. And... It was on all fours. The back of this thing was probably four and a half to five feet high. It was all black, super shaggy with long hair that was probably three to four inches long and had black eyes. And the thing about it that was so creepy is we felt it. We all witnessed it. This thing was staring at us, but it wasn't making any sound. But the creepiest thing was the way this thing moved. I have never seen anything like it. It didn't move like an animal. It literally was like jerky, almost like a glitch. Creepy. I was sitting on the porch swing. My friend was to my left. My boyfriend at the time was to the right. He was so scared. He jumped up on the back climbed up the back of the porch swing and was standing on top of my hand. Needless to say, I was frozen and my hand was trapped and so I couldn't move. And by the time we all were like looking at each other, trying to figure out what the hell was going on, by the time we looked over again to where this thing was, it literally had vanished. You should have been able to see this thing run, 
towards the tree line because it's literally just an open giant field that's several acres in length and in width. And it just wasn't there. Like it was there out of nowhere. And then it just wasn't. I know that it wasn't a coyote. I know that it wasn't a normal dog. This thing was blacker than black. I've never experienced anything like it. The other little tidbit to know is that this property, we did recover multiple Native American artifacts, including this fully hand-carved stone axe head, arrowheads, tools that Native Americans would have used. And sometimes I wonder if maybe that's some connection, but anyways, thank you guys so much for doing what you do. I love listening. I'm a huge fan of the belief hole and currently living in Oregon and hoping to be a champion of Bigfoot at some point in the near future. Thanks so much, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Heidi. That's Thanks, Heidi. Champion of Bigfoot. I feel like, is that a reference from a previous episode where, I think, did John call you a champion of Bigfoot, Chris? That's because, possible. Because John isn't, you know, he's not I've a, said a lot of things. John's not a big yeah. Bigfoot guy. He's he more of a like a... I'm a little Bigfoot guy. He's a little He's a little into the Bigfoot, but he's not really... Not really. A little Bigfoot guy. <laughs> he's a little Bigfoot guy. But Chris is a champion of Bigfoot, and so is Heidi, apparently. So thank you, Heidi, for that great story. Uh, and yeah. Pretty creepy. Obviously, the most interesting part of that story is the phase, the way this creature is moving. Which, yeah, that makes it paranormal, supernatural. So is it something that's shifting interdimensionally or is it a shape shift? Shape shift. You know, I did cut out a tiny little part of that where she said it's either was something that was protecting oh, or right. it was evil. And I, right. the reason I cut it out was because it's, it seemed to me like it was probably not there to protect anything if it's glitching around <laughs> yeah. it didn't seem like but um well that is that is a question with the black dog phenomenon that the idea of is it a protector or is it a forewarning of an some omen impending doom oh yeah that's you know possible. we've had people leave messages about you know black dog seen in the middle of the road and it's a giant thing she didn't feel threatened but then you know the next day her best friend died things like that where yeah. it's this sort of you know, what is the purpose of that sort of signifier? You I know? think Heidi mentioned... Uh, Warnings. Which, which I thought was funny was the... Uh, it wasn't in the recording, but um, oh, her boyfriend got up because he was so scared that he jumped up on the porch swing and stepped on her hand mm-hmm. and like pinned her and there. She's like, it's over. She's like, needless to say, <laughs> it, that didn't look very good from a boyfriend perspective. <laughs> right, yeah. So I'm assuming that she's had more since. Wasn't there a time in Germany where you, you pushed your girlfriend in front of a, an oncoming uh, attacker? Yes. <laughs> well, I did, it wasn't an attacker. It was just... It was you know, this right around the same time you were... Doing PI work? No, this was years ago. I was a kid. It was my first girlfriend. I was just like you pushed her in front of. Well, an no, attacker. that's not exactly what happened. What, what happened, Jeremy? Well, so what happened was I was we were walking down the street. It was it was at Take night. Take her. It was dark. <laughs> I think we were, we were in an umbrella, so we couldn't. You know, your peripherals kind of blocked off, so you're already kind of spooked out. It's rainy, drippy. There, we had, edge. We had, yeah. Every time I have an umbrella, I get real spooked. <laughs> it's a freaky. It's a freaky experience. Very closed in. Uh, but no, <laughs> it was a rainy, dark night, and we maybe were watching a scary movie. There were some creepy things that happened in that house, but um, as we were walking up the street. I start hearing this like like running like chuk, 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 like up behind us fat and fast. And so my instant reaction is to like kind of twist around to see what's there, but at the same time grab whatever is closest to <laughs> oh me my God. to put it in between me and the potential assailant. And just without thinking, it it was her. Wow. And, I, and then from that moment on, I was like, oh, God, well, how, I how old were you? Up. I was, it was like a maybe ninth grade, eighth grade or something. Mm, that's borderline getting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you know. They, I, I feel bad. We don't have to go into it. I, I feel bad about it right You're, now. You weren't a man yet, but... No, I was a kid. It, you it, definitely it, probably felt like It was my first time in a situation it. like that. You know, I, I hadn't been trained in right. this kind of... In the art of war. Exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, fight or flight. And you're like, you fight. I'm, fl- I'm fleeing. So, I'm, not, I'm not proud of that moment. It yeah. was just... It was instinctual and... Uh, yeah, because growing up anymore, you know, back in the day, you were like had man training. I feel like we've lost that quite a bit. Yeah, I had no tribal uh, no, there's initiation. N- there's no the initiation. To it's just like here's some video games. Yeah, I and had here's some diet pot- pop, season potato wedges, and diet soda, and that was you're on your way. Go get them. Well, you learned so, from your mistake. At least you didn't do it when you were like 25 or something. Yeah, no, I learned from that. I did. The relationship did not last, and we've I've moved on since. So. Oh, there's still time. You might do it again. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> I mean, if you did it now. You'd have really have to. Oh, I'd have to really. I would think I would just become like. I mean, a monk. It, it's so much. It would be so much better to get your ass kicked. And oh yeah, right. Oh for sure. It wasn't even like I thought about. Oh, I know. It, you know I, I get what you're saying. It's, but yeah, it's an instinctual. You reaction. haven't been prepared enough in a real life situation to where you would have responded instinct the other way. Because yeah, your instincts are to protect yourself. Right. But you do have to override that function when you're with a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck. You'll get it, Jeremy. Yeah. Thanks. I like, think I'll get it. What, this <laughs> happened years ago. I've been very protective and strong. And anyway, let's get back to the stories. Yes. Thank you. It's not about me and my <laughs> previous embarrassments. Thank I you. think I did the same thing around the same time. I was yeah. a kid. I don't think I ever did anything like that, but I don't know if I've ever been in that position either. Yeah. yeah. Don't you judge. I wouldn't, though. All right. So what do we have coming up not here? Not at this point, anyways. Oh, okay. So I'm perfect when it comes <laughs> to protecting no one. <laughs> the perfect protector. <laughs> no Jake, one. I'm actually really good at making sure my dog doesn't eat people, which is that's kind good. Of challenging you kind of protect everyone else from your dog, pretty much. Which is also is equally important. Role. Jake, the, another black dog. He is a monster. Is he out shape shifting in the evenings around farm edges? Speaking of shape shifting, we have another story. We have another story. Now, this I snagged from a classic Art Bell Ghost to Ghost Colin episode. Uh, Neat. Big hero of ours, Art Bell, uh, the late great Art Bell. And so this was one that just kind of it reminded me of Heidi's story. So if you want to play this, John, it's a, it's a classic piece. That was definitely <laughs> not, not it. it. <laughs> Which one is it? Uh, it's titled, it probably says Art Bell. Debbie in Sutherland, Oregon. One o'clock in the morning, I stepped out on the front porch to put some dry food out for the cat, and evidently I scared some kind of a creature that was eating off the porch, and when I got out there and shut the door, it was down at the bottom of the stairs. It was small, round, didn't see any legs, couldn't see its face, it didn't turn around, it had long brown hair that hung to the ground, and it started to move, and it waddled, as fast as it could, which wasn't very fast. Waddle. It didn't have any legs. It was kind of waddling. And as it moved down the driveway, it started to grow, get taller. And the brown hair was gone. Ooh. It became short hair, dark hair. Shifting. The legs grew as it went down the driveway. It wasn't Creepy. making a sound. And I thought, as it's going down, I'm thinking, raccoon? No. It gets to the end of the driveway, and it's tall like a deer, and I think deer. It runs across the street. It's not making a sound. It clears the sidewalk across the street with one foot. At that point, I heard a hoof print. A hoof print? A hoof print. Ah. It ran across the lawn, the front lawn, of the people across the street. They also have a concrete patio right after the lawn. At that point, it made no noise as it went across the patio. At that point, I could see that it was growing long black hair, and it was running, and it was flowing out behind it. Wow. watched it until it got all the way uh, past all their lights. The street was well lit. Just let me stop you long enough to ask, you actually 
visually see the hair growing. I saw everything from the bottom of my porch to the end of the driveway to the one hoof print on the sidewalk. Cleared the lawn, made no noise. It was going across their patio, and it started to grow long, black, long hair that flowed out from behind it. That's straight out of some kind of movie. And I watched it until it went into the darkness. Now I had my porch light on. We have a street light out in front of the house. People across the street have their porch light on, which was unusual for one in the morning. We live in a cul-de-sac. The street's not very wide. At the end of the cul-de-sac, a creek runs through there. The people at the end have a nice creek. So it ran into the darkness. A couple of days later, I went over to the lady that lives in the cul-de-sac, and I went in and I sat down and I told her all the thing. And she sat there and stared out the window for a moment, and she said, well, I guess things, things happen. And she thought for another moment and said that she sees all kinds of animals come up from the creek. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it just reminded me of Heidi's story. Seeing something at the edge of your property line that you aren't quite sure yeah. what it is. Of course, in this story, it was shifting into different potential creatures, right. shapes. Just really, yeah, going really unique story. Small to tall to short if hair to long hair. Ever yeah. had? Oh, you know, I have a real quick story I forgot about. Sure, John. But I was just going to say, like, you know how we've had friends on the show that have had all these crazy experiences out on their property, mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's surprising that we haven't had more experiences on our property. On our property. Yeah. Have you guys had anything like really weird happen out there like that kind of stuck with you? I mean, other than just hearing noises sometimes or seeing eye shine. It just seems like the perfect place that we would have more yeah. experiences. Sometimes at night, every once in a while, I get freaked out out there because Jake like looks into the woods mm-hmm. and he wants to take off after something. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard because they're that area. Was, I've had two really, really strange kind of things happen. Oh, we live I'm back wrong. In the, we live back in the woods. I'm yes. wrong. We did. I did have strange experiences there. Uh, well, actually, across the street when I was living in the RV. Yeah, I'm so, yeah, that would be a oh, yeah. impoverished. You're time like of my right, kind of in the woods there yeah, too. That was uh, that was pretty bizarre. I've never heard anything like that in my life. That was uh, we were we tried to capture a recording of it. Remember? Mm-hmm. Um, it was the sound. It was whatever it was was large, and it was in a tree above me, mm-hmm. and it was making these guttural like sounds and then like crunching like it was eating something almost like, like ape-like but it sounded like it was dude that's eating really something. weird because that's where i had my experience really yeah it was Over on the, the it jumped off the rv oh what? your what? rv yeah what yeah this was probably like a year or two ago Why are you in my home john i i was just walking along the house side of the mm. house and i saw something out of the corner of my eye and it was just like i heard like and then it just, this huge figure just dropped on the ground and what? then took off. Yeah. Well, you should have told me when I was living inside there, there was a <laughs> I monster. I don't even think you were living there anymore. Oh, this was when it was parked at the folks' house? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah this was... How have we not heard that story? I remember telling dad. It, it just totally freaked me out because I, I just saw like an amorphous large... I didn't, couldn't really tell exactly how big it was, but it was big. Yeah. It was way bigger than like a squirrel or a raccoon. Yeah. And I was like, it was on the RV. It was on top of it and it leapt off of it. That's creepy, man. I mean, I don't know if it was like gorilla size, but you know, obviously probably not. Yeah. But it, it was large enough to make thudding impacts on the RV and leap off of the 
the roof. So I was just like, what could have that possibly have been? Yeah. Well, I was trying to think, you know, it was in my experience. It was in the tree, obviously, and it was making these loud, low grumbling noises. And it sounded like it was eating something and it definitely sounded large. So I was thinking, by eating something, sorry, but I say by eating something, because <laughs> I was there, what, you, what you're saying is it was eating something that was alive because we heard the scream. Right. Oh yeah. Thing. It wasn't just like eating bananas you're right up there. It there was, was eating something going bananas. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lot of bananas in the woods. That's what I mean. That wasn't just food. It was, so, yeah, there was eating a living animal because it was going and then you'd hear like kid nightmare stuff so i was thinking like maybe mountain lion kid like nightmare. what what could it be it's a That'd sweet be, rapper be great name. electronic group <laughs> so i was thinking you know mountain lion that's the only thing i could think of and it's the only thing that could possibly it's maybe, not completely impossible either right i mean this is definitely not an area where you have a lot of mountain lions. northeast ohio right but they have seen them out here they have so it's pretty frightening to go back there right you know um mountain lions are no joke too no. Those things can seriously hurt you and kill you. They will take you down. They're gigantic. That's right. Every time I walk outside on the patio upstairs at mom and dad's in the back at night, and I just hear the, the clacking of the trees kind of swaying above me, I always look up and just imagine there being yeah. like a mountain lion or something. So yeah. I always check I always check my, what is that, my noon, my midnight, what, you know, like check your six, but yeah. above you, whatever that would be. I always look up because I always just have Especially a Especially at night. It's, yeah, a, it's like kind of a watched. It's creepy property at night. Yeah. And yeah, living there when I was younger and you guys would go to camp and stuff with mom, being there alone is creepy. Yeah. It's a, it's a freaky house to be in by yourself. You tucked away in the woods down yeah. this, in the hollow. Kind Not of. to mention the weird paranormal stuff that used to go on in the house too as we mm-hmm. were growing up. Right, which I think we've talked about before yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in those stories, guys, go and you haven't heard them, check out some older episodes. Listen to every episode until you find them. Yeah, make sure you start at number six. You can six. listen to them multiple times too. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we continue onwards? we yeah. got a few to get through here. Let's do it. Speaking of family, actually, that's a good lead-in to dad's story. Classic. We get to hear our dad. Hey, dad. Hi, dad. Ready? Suctioning you in. Let's suction you in. Ready? When I was probably 12, I was helping my dad mow the cemetery lawn. What year would that have been? 1952 or something like that. Anyway, my dad and I mowed the churchyard and the the cemetery, and he had to leave early to give some lessons, music lessons or something. He said, Dave, can you finish up? mowing and put everything away, and I said, yeah, I can do that. It was starting to get dark, and we just lived across the railroad tracks. I'd go through the field from the cemetery and go home. And uh, so I'm walking through the cemetery, and I hear this bell ringing behind, it looked like, sounded like it was behind one of the tombstones. So I stopped, and the bell stopped. They started walking again, and it started ringing again a little farther down. And I stopped, and it stopped ringing. And so I said, this is, this is not good. <laughs> I, was, I was just, you know, a little guy, and I'm, I was getting very worried. And so I, I started to walk again. It started ringing a little bit, and I just took off. I started running. And there was nothing else around. There weren't any cows or sheep or anything like that. It was just, I remember I was walking down the driveway in the middle of the cemetery yeah. and it just kept coming on the left-hand side, a few tombstones up. It sounded like it was behind the tombstone. It was like a little ding ling 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 Like a cowbell? <laughs> yeah, a little tinkly bell. <laughs> tinkly bell. Yeah. 
Dad's a good storyteller. Yeah. That was well done, Dad. Well, you could tell it was something he genuinely experienced. Yeah, I've heard that story many times. Yeah. But it, it always used to creep me out when I was little because mm-hmm. I hadn't had any experience with the paranormal. But yeah. that just stuck with me, the idea that like being in the cemetery, you know, and you're little and you're, it's just weird how it was just messing with them. It yeah. seemed like. There are things you can't see. Well, yeah, and the fact that, it re- that there was a physical object being interacted with, or at least that was coming through from some, you know, spectral gateway was a sound of a bell ringing. And right. that, that it always stayed in front of him, even when he booked it to get back to his home, like you know, through the farm fields and stuff, mm-hmm. there was always the ding 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 yeah, He would have had to see something moving. And I know? think the creepy interaction there where it's like when he, when he moves, the bell rings, something's watching him and reacting to his movement. That's what's freaky, especially if you're a little kid in a graveyard and you hear, you know, every time you stop, it stops ringing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably old green eyes. Old green eyes, the cat. Who? Or old green eyes from the Snallygaster episode, the ghost of Chickamauga. Oh that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was flitting, among, flitting amongst the gravestones <laughs> yeah. you know, or amongst the corpses. Really creepy. That was a good Patreon episode. Yeah. Why am I dry? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's not on. That wasn't on the notes. You have to become a patron to hear that episode. Right. That was one the, of our better ones, though. The Snallygaster. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was one. Of, it was an immediate classic. I feel like definitely yeah. episode. Um. Whoa, it's really windy out there. Yeah. The curses are coming. Speaking of expansion episodes. Expand your mind. Get in the hole. Belief hole. Get in the hole, guys. If you guys want to help support us, keep growing the show, keep doing this more often, head over to beliefhole.com, sign up as a patron, mm-hmm. and we will deliver you extra content every time we drop an episode. We'll give you anything you want. We'll give you our undivided attention you already have our hearts but you will have our you can have our minds and our bodies okay <laughs> <laughs> that comes with the patreon sign up anyway related to that story i had something that i thought was kind of interesting that bell sound um yeah have you guys heard of safety coffins i know what you're yeah. getting at i know what you're getting at. You know what i'm getting at you know? John, john's yeah what i yeah i already, I already know now just thinking about it yeah. safety coffins in case what you wake why up why don't you enlighten our listeners by reading this paragraph? sure chris sure sure i would love to do that Safety coffins. Why do I always get a little blurb? I thought I was doing good reading this You did a great job. You have much more reading coming up. Okay, this is safety coffins. A safety coffin or security coffin is a coffin fitted with a mechanism to prevent premature burial or allow the (laughs) occupant to signal that they have been buried alive. That's a good security measure. I am all for that. It's like, why don't airplanes have parachutes in every seat? Although, what is it like? (laughs) Exactly. By the way, oh, yes. There's, there's different versions of them. Uh, one, the one we're referencing in particular is one where there's a copper pipe that goes down to the oh. uh, to the coffin layer, the layer within the coffin, and there's like wires attached to his fingers and toes. And if he wakes up, then you hear oh, the bell ring. Okay. I was Ugh, gonna say that's creepy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is very creepy. A large number of designs for safety coffins were patented during the 18th and 19th centuries, and variations on the idea are still available today. I'm getting one. Yeah, there's nothing more terrible. I think that's probably one of Buried the worst alive. ways to die. Yeah. I can't imagine. I'd rather be eaten by a lion. No, me too. Absolutely. In 1829, Dr. Johann Gottfried Taber- Absolutely. Taberger <laughs> designed a system using a bell which would alert the cemetery night watchman. We got a breather! The corpse would have strings attached to his hands, head, and feet. A housing around the bell above ground prevented it ringing accidentally. An improvement over previous designs, the housing prevented rainwater from running down the tube and netting prevented insects from entering the coffin and eating the corpse alive. Or dead. Nice. Uh, if the bell rang, the watchman had to insert a second tube and pump air into the coffin with a bellows 
to allow the occupant to survive until the casket could be dug up. Gross. That's yeah, where your gross one would come in, John. Well, let me do. Let me do that. Gross. See there, that's <laughs> appropriate. Right. I heard it's like one in ten people are buried alive. Is no, that true? what? You better be kidding, one sir. One in ten. That's a Give me a break. One in ten thousand, I hope. Heard that somewhere in my head. Yeah, it's, it's a terrifying thing, but it, it just made me think of Dad's story. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, did Valley City have a graveyard? Like, did that graveyard have this, a couple old graves that had these sort of bell ringing things? Right. Wasn't there a, kind of a classic funny story related to this? Right to the grave dingling. Yeah, yeah. I was going to read that real quick, uh, and you guys have a little reading parts. It's very short, but it's a funny little thing related to this uh, invention. This, okay, uh, that's just a fun little story. Yeah, right? yeah. This comes from scary scaryforkids.com, so, <laughs> so hope you can tell like your it. kids this one, yeah. In a certain small town in the United States, the local grave digger heard a bell ringing one night. He was accustomed to hearing bells ring in his graveyard. Sometimes it was just local children playing a prank. Other times it was just the wind. This time he was shocked to see that the cord ringing the bell was being pulled from deep underground. The gravedigger put his ear to the top of the copper tube and listened. He heard a faint voice from below begging and pleading to be released from the grave. Get me out of here! The man looked at the name on the headstone. Are you Sarah Bannon? He asked. Yes? The muffled voice cried. Were you born on September 7th, 1907? Asked the gravedigger. Yes? Came the answer from deep below. The headstone says you died on September... February. February 20th. (laughs) February? The headstone says you died on February... (laughs) It's not a month. February. February. (laughs) Okay. The headstone says you died on February 20th, 1858. No, I didn't die. Cried the voice. I'm still alive. They made a mistake. Dig me up. I beg you. The gravedigger detached the bell from its cord to silence it. I don't think we'll be needing this anymore. And plugged up the copper tube with dirt. Sorry, lady. He said. This is 1959. Whatever you are down there, you sure as hell ain't alive no more. And you sure as hell ain't coming up. Oh. Burn. Yeah. I mean, the joke there is obviously that. This is a joke? She, yeah, she died like 100 years before. Right. So oh, yeah. it was the wrong century. Oh, so is that a joke? <laughs> is this a real story? No, it's a humorous story. It's a little children's story I wanted to tell. Oh, this is a, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> For entertainment. Our time value. is limited here. I know. Then you, we, I, that's how I introduced it, you know? I, I wasn't paying attention. Well, there, there's the. I only have so much paying attention ability to you. I have to choose. Well, there's the lesson. Let's, Pay attention. I do my best. All right, well, let's move it along. Let's move it along, ladies and gentlemen, so we can get all these good stories in. All right, so that concludes uh, the Graveyard Bell section of the show. <laughs> much anticipated Graveyard Bell story. section. It was based on a real story. All right, so this next section we're going to be getting into here is going to be about haunted homes. And uh, we've had a few people write in, and we're actually going to be reaching out to a couple people that we haven't uh, played their story on yet. I think Taylor has a really great story. Yeah, I think there's a couple people that we're trying to get a hold of that should be really good right. coming up here. So we're looking forward to that. Um, this one is well overdue. This came to us, I think, October of last year at, at some point. But anyways, we touched on part of the story and then we didn't realize there was a second half. So I, I wanted to finish it because it is a good story. And this comes from Marsha. Now, if you guys remember from the previous story, when she was about four or five, she used to hear dishes crashing. And then a little later, pots and pans. And then as she grew older, she asked her dad, and her dad did confirm that he had heard the sounds too. Now, we're going to catch up to Marsha when she's about 10 years of age. Now, at this time, she's a precocious little girl. She's uh, into creepy things. She has a year-round haunted house she built in the upstairs of her house. 
Some people have vacation homes. Some, Some people, people have haunted have houses. Haunted houses. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but she used to ride around her neighborhood. She was like that creepy kid. She would wear a clown costume. What's that girl from Beetlejuice? Oh, yeah, Lydia. <laughs> Lydia. Kind of like that. But <laughs> nice. she re- she made a reference that it was kind of like, you know, now you get those creepy clown sightings in yeah. neighborhoods and stuff. Well, she was doing that in 96, oh, like weird. 10 years earlier, but as a little kid. She was a trendsetter. She was. For yeah, clowns. She, she didn't know it. So this picks up when she was 11 years old and they moved to North Portland, Oregon. You guys want to begin? Sure. John, you want to start us off? Yeah. Should I read it in a little girl's voice? No. (laughs) (laughs) When I was 11, we moved into a new house in North Portland, Oregon. I loved it. Until we began to add a new addition to it and opened it up to the existing house. I would watch TV in my parents' room. I would be watching the Monsters, or yes, the Brady Bunch, LOL, since my name is Marsha. (laughs) Their back wall where their closet used to be was ripped down, and the only thing that kept their room from being exposed to the big open new addition was a translucent matted tarp. Creepy. As I watched, that is creepy. That's a weird visual. As I watched my shows, the TV would turn off. In the beginning, I thought nothing of it, but it kept happening. They had an old TV where you had to push the button to turn it on or off. So the only way for it to turn off was to press the big rectangle metal button. One night, it happened several times, and I instantly felt scared, like someone was watching me. It was ominous. I ran out of the room and I never watched TV in their room again. That was hard. Their room was my place. Everywhere I lived, I loved to snuggle under their blankets and watch TV. It was my safe haven. I lost that. Later, when I was 13, the house was still a work in progress. The walls were up, but the hallway was open to the addition, which was still unfinished and the crawl space was exposed to that end of the house. I began to hate my room, which was at the end, close to the new addition. I hated the hallway even more. At night, it seemed like I was looking into the abyss, as if the darkness never ended. It scared me to go to my room. I never understood why. From the moment we opened that new addition to the house, something just didn't feel right. I was home alone one evening, my mom at school and my dad working late. I was in the living room watching TV when I heard banging sounds coming from the addition. I just dismissed it as some construction workers across the street building a house. Sounds for me can be misplaced because I'm hearing impaired. About an hour later, I hear it again. I thought to myself, it's too late for the workers to still be at it. So I walked to my window and sure enough, they were gone. Again, I just dismissed it thinking it was the neighbors. Then, about 30 minutes later, I hear the banging again. When I say banging, I mean it sounded like someone was hitting a hollow box with a stick. So when I heard it again, I became even more scared because it was coming from the back of the house, the addition. What scared me the most was that it sounded like a box was being hit, and we used that addition for storage. We had a ton of boxes back there. Creeped out, I decided to go to my neighbor's house, and as I did, my neighbor was just getting into her car to leave. I stopped her and I made up an excuse. Hey, uh, I can't find my cat. Can you help me look for it? I just needed to get someone else inside the house, almost like to scare the energy away, that kind of thing. After the neighbor left, I felt better. Then about 30 minutes later, it was dark out, and I was watching The Simpsons, and I heard it again, only louder this time. And that's when I realized that each time it happened, it was in threes. Thump, thump, thump. I began to grow increasingly frightened when I realized the bangs were uniform, I stood up and I stared down the dark hallway. It happened again, 15 minutes later, and louder. 
I grabbed the phone and called my friend in hopes to be distracted, hoping this was all in my head. Ten minutes into the phone call, it happened. Thump. 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 I screamed and ran out of the house. I was crying in the middle of the road, still holding the phone. This was 1998. I had one of those dinosaur phones with a big antenna, so I was losing reception. Finally able to hear my friend's voice between the crackling static on the other end, and all I hear was, What the fuck was that loud banging? Can you hear me? Hello? After I was able to breathe again, I gasped and said, Can you hear me? My friend said, What was that? I was shocked and asked, You heard that? She said, Yes. That was really loud. I fell on the grass in front of my lawn and cried. I called my dad at work and he had to come home early. I sat in the front yard for an hour, late in the evening until he arrived. He was not happy. He told me that he would hire a damn babysitter next time. So since then I have been alone in this story. No one believed me. Everybody told me that I made it up so I wouldn't be alone because I was a scaredy cat. I swear, something wasn't right about that house ever since we added the addition. Three years after we moved into the house, things went bad. My dad became evil and angry and mean. I became depressed and uncomfortable. My dad was my everything, but it all changed after we moved in and started building. My sister moved out at age 16 and I was alone. And like I said, my dad turned into something I, I don't know. He became the evil I felt when I looked down that hall to that new addition. Sounds like Amityville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That house broke us. My parents split up and we lost everything. That house was a curse. Oh, that is sad. Really sad. And but familiar. Her dad used to read her Amityville. Oh, weird. weird. Amityville horror. Weird. Yeah, yeah, it must have been some demonic force in that house or something. It's, it definitely sounded like something. Disturbing it. Something building that addition like yeah. might have yeah. conjured something. Opened something up. You know, or, that idea of that tarp like blowing in the wind. Like they That's a creepy that, image. Move yeah. that wall. It's like it released something. How disturbing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sending that in. Yeah, thanks for sharing with that. Absolutely. Marcia, that. I'm sorry a, that happened to you. Yeah. It's kind of really intense. tragic. Yeah. You hear those stories a lot with uh, families and, you know, uh, unfortunately come across some sort of energy or entity in, in homes and, you know, new new places they've moved into. Um, it reminds me of like the Sally House, like that story, mm-hmm. which maybe we'll do an episode on one day. But there are these places in different homes around the country and I'm sure all over the world where there's just something waiting. Yeah, it's a negative energy and it can affect people change personalities, characteristics of people, you know, kind of latch on to people. And it's really sad when things happen like that. And it just feels yeah, like especially it, when it breaks up families. Yeah, yeah. It just it contributes to whatever negative things are going on in the house already and just adds that darkness. So yeah, thanks for sharing that story, Marsha. And if anyone else has any similar stories, you know, sometimes it's good to hear people having similar experiences and to know you're not alone. And hopefully that is some comfort to some people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, maybe we should take a quick break. Yeah, we can take a quick break. Uh, and then we get back, we're going to get into some other stories related to animal connections. We just did the Animal ESP episode and we got a couple of people who had written in. So we're going to we're gonna do that up. For those of you signed up as patrons, we thank you. And the uh, expansion episode we are doing today is Cursed Films and Haunted Movie Sets. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be coming with the expansion. Really interesting topic and we got deep into some research and some bizarre phenomena happening around specific movies. Some of this you guys may have heard before related to The Omen, to uh, the story of Brandon Lee and the tragic events that took place there. 
uh, as well as The Exorcist, Bruce Lee, Brandon Lee, um, and some of those stories. It'll so. be an interesting episode. It's definitely going to be compelling. Uh, it might be a little dark, so you might want to burn some sage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we might. want to hang up a cross and burn some sage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that it gets into The Exorcist, too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, okay. so stick around, guys, for that, for those eating the Patreon. Um, we're going to play a little preview of that coming up here, and then when we get back, we're going to get into some more listener stories and accounts. So stay with us. All right, we'll be right back. See ya. So we're going to do some of the classics here. And some of the most interesting horror films ever made, obviously, are part of this. And probably part of the reason they're so compelling is because of anytime you make something that's really convincing, you're going to have a lot of mythology built up around it. So what we're going to do today is try to weed through some of the gobbledygook and find out if there's anything to some of these alleged curses. What are we looking at here? We got, I know we got most compelling, I would say, is The Omen. I think that is the one that has the most stuff to it. People will argue that, no, uh, Rosemary's Baby has more creepy coincidences, but I think by far The Omen. Sure, unfortunate things happen with Poltergeist, especially with Rosemary's Baby, but The Omen, there are so many coincidences in that film. It seems like, at least on the outside, there's some things that are just statistically super improbable to have occurred during the making of this film. And then Jeremy's got the stuff with The Curse of Bruce Lee. Well, we have some on that. Some people say Poltergeist. Mm -hmm. Let's get into one of my personal favorites, not just because it has the guy who played Coach in the 90s series. Craig T. Nelson. That's it. (laughs) He starred in Poltergeist. And they were tricked, guys. They were tricked on the set. They were unaware that sneaky Steven Spielberg used real skeletons in the Poltergeist scenes. I mean, they got them from a legit source, but still, like... (laughs) Like what? They didn't get him from a murderer? Yeah, they didn't get him from the black market. <laughs> Legitimate dead person source. It was a medical company that rented the cadavers. Which I don't know. think that you can legally do. I don't think you can anymore. It seems pretty... Maybe there just wasn't a law in the books then. But that's right. a little bit grave robbery. Well, you know how dad used to drive around with a human skeleton in his car during Halloween? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. We used to have... That was a real skeleton. I think we talked about that before. He was in our basement for a long time. Dad was like, oh, he's, he's not here anymore. He's just the bones. So we'll have yeah. him as a Halloween prop. Poor innocent dad. He didn't know any better. Yeah. But yeah, I did hear that it was a cast member that came out and kind of blamed him for the... The curse? The curse, because the props they used were skeletons. Those who worked on Poltergeist tell of strange experiences. Reportedly, the mechanical clown used in the movie Malfunction and strangled actor Oliver Robbins. Okay. Robbins, who played Robbie, the youngest son, was supposedly almost killed because the crew thought his strangulation was just very convincing acting. Yeah, so they let it, they didn't stop the mechanical clown from malfunctioning. Right. Joe Beth Williams, who played the mother, told E that she would return home every night after filming Poltergeist to find that something had tilted all the pictures in her home. That's creepy. Yeah. I began to think, is somebody trying to send a message that I shouldn't be doing this film? Williams said. Yeah, Mm. a little creepy there, but supernatural. Is it a coincidence? And we're back. We're back. Welcome. What is happening now in the hole? We are getting ready for some final stories. 
Yeah, we're going to wrap up this episode with some interesting life-after-death animal encounters, as well as uh, going a little south of the border for an interesting cemetery tale. From Jesse. Yeah. And that's going to lead us into the expansion. And we do have a stinger coming up, Alfonso, or Fonz. And we thank you, man. That was very generous of you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Alfonso. That was super awesome of you, and we are excited to have you in the hole. So we hope you enjoy the stinger coming up. Yeah, big hug. But first, but first... Shall we begin the final section of the show today with Alex's story? Yeah, let's do it. From lips of from the lips of babes, right? <laughs> is Alex a baby? I don't know. That's just what people say. From his own lips, is I what think I'm it's from say. the mouths of babes. That's what it is. <laughs> from the lips of babes. same general area, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, you say same general area? <laughs> That's very strange. This is, yeah, general. Oh. Anyways, okay, let's move on. Yeah, John, you want to cue up Alex's tale of intrigue? This one relates to the last episode. Actually, would have been great to play on the animal ESP, but you'll you'll hear why. This is a good story. It's uplifting. I take back my horror comment. All right, here we go. Hey guys, thanks for all the great content. Love the show. Keep it up. Thank you. Wanted to share my own uh, story with you. Happened a few days ago. Very bizarre synchronicity. I, I think. Um, I was in my office, and in, in my office on the ground is this poster. It's not hung up. It has a bunch of pictures in it, one of them being a picture of uh, my family cat, Sydney, from when she was a kitten. And so whatever reason, I, I get out of my desk, and I lay down on the ground, and I'm stretching my legs, and I'm, I'm looking at this picture of my cat. Sounds like John. And uh, I, I don't know. It's what I was doing. I don't know. It's a weird thing to be doing in the first place, I guess. But so I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm stretching, looking at this picture of my cat. My wife walks in, sits down with me. And now we're hug? both staring at the picture and we're talking about the cat when, you know. And about 15 minutes later, my my mom texts me and says that she needs to talk. And so I give her a call and she says, you know, I'm sorry. We had to, we just got back from the vet and we had to put Sydney down. Um, oh, Sydney. Which was really sad news. And a little bit later, I, I really thought about it. And it's like, my God, the timeline would suggest that in the same moment, you know, that we were staring at this picture of my cat together, which we never do, her life was probably coming to an end uh, around that same moment in time. Crazy, yeah. Sorry about your loss, man. I know how important pets can be. Yeah. Maybe, he, Al, did he say the name of the cat? Sydney. Oh, yeah, like Sydney. Like our dog. That's weird, yeah. Yeah. Another synchronicity. Another rest in peace. That was, we had our, our second dog was named Sydney, and uh, she was special. She died way too young. I took that pretty hard in high school, I remember. I thought you were going to say I took her life, and I was going to say, what? No. That's what happened? She got hit by a car. That's, was it your car? No. Okay, good. I want to clear that, that up. That was dad's fault. No, it was not dad's fault. <laughs> it was, actually. <laughs> it was not. Anyways. I'm moving on. So sorry, man, about your cat. But that is, I, it sounds like she was... Sending some sort of signal there. Yeah, she Animal was by you. bond. That morphic field we right. talked about in the last episode. Exactly. If you heard the last episode, some of that stuff might actually make more sense now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have been receiving a subconscious message from Sydney, it sounds like. I did like he admitted that um, stretching is for weirdos, John. Yeah, John. I think that's wrong. Did he say it was in his office? Is that why it was weird? Because he was stretching like while in his office. But a home office, I think. Might be a runner or something. Yeah. John has like a stretch gymnasium downstairs. Yeah, John has swings and all kinds of stretch accoutrements. It's called a... uh, Sexy stretcher. Can you let me talk? Continue. It's called a um, something trapeze, yoga trapeze or Mm. something. Doesn't sound any less creepy. (laughs) It actually does. (laughs) Okay. 
It's just for traction and all sorts of fun positions. Traction? <laughs> Again, <laughs> with the creepy. Traction. What do you mean by traction? It's traction on your back, so when you flip upside down, it holds your hips and it stretches your back. Oh, okay. Like by holding onto your hips and the force of your body, the gravity, mm-hmm. which doesn't exist. But, uh, <laughs> the electromagnetic pull. Yeah. The uh-huh. buoyancy. Uh-huh. Um, That's right. It pulls your spinal cord apart, so it allows Ooh. like fluid and stuff to sort of goop around, get out of there, and regenerize. <laughs> regenerize. <laughs> Sounds like a Nosferatu machine. Oh, it's very scientific. You, you like hang up upside down on that. Yeah, I usually hang upside down. It does feel ten good. minutes a day. You I sleep did. upside down? No. With a cloak? No, I don't, Chris. <laughs> Great questions, Chris. You, you are welcome. <laughs> John, did you say you had a strange story? Well, you the, of? the train reminded me of a story that happened. It wasn't that crazy, but it was in the moment. It just was very strange. I was walking with Jake uh, maybe a month ago, and we were on the, along the towpath, and it's right next to the railroad tracks. And all of a sudden, like the, the train came in, and it just stopped right oh, yeah. next to me. But like the sounds that it was making. And it was all army cars. Ooh. Oh, and it was like... FEMA style. Yeah, it, but it was so weird, the sounds that it was making. It sounded like some otherworldly vibrational like warning system coming out. Weird. Everything was stopped in the track, and it was just this high-pitched... like It just sounded like we were under invasion. I was just expecting these things to turn into... Transformers <laughs> and just get off the tracks and start walking. Oot, it was freaky. Oot, Dude, that's awesome. It was very freaky. Surrender human. I wish I was there. Yeah, it was uh I, I was almost wanted to start running. I just didn't understand what was going on. It felt like a dream. Yeah. You heard the sound when the uh after everything was stopped? After right? everything was stopped, it was like this, cooling down. Yeah, it was just like I'm sure it was the tension. Right. You know, but it was just this activation sound. It sounded like an activation that's sound cool. and all these army vehicles were you gonna get off and just <laughs> stop in the middle of this town and just start their journey That's into creepy. like Terminator style. Yeah, big machines are scary. Especially when there's a lot of military ones hanging around. Well, we have one more story here um, before our finale story, and this comes from Wally. Oh yeah, this this just came in and uh, it was appropriate because we just talked about animal kind of telepathy, animal ESP, uh, paranormal experiences with animals. And John, you want to read this one? Sure. This is a good little one from Wally. I'd, I'd love to. A little bit of a uh, sentimental, sad bone tickler. Sad bone tickler. Like a funny bone? Okay, here we go. This is Wally, ghost dog. Thank you, Wally. I just listened to your podcast on animal telepathy, and in related news, I have this experience. My wife and I have been dog rescuers for quite some time. While many of our pups have passed away over the years, we did have one very close to our hearts, Tasha. We got her as a puppy and treated her like royalty. Anyways, she was very old and going blind before the end, and we made the decision to put her to sleep. Hmm. We held her and told her the hard part was over. She would be playing in green fields waiting for us to join her one day. Well, life goes on. The following spring, I was working in our flower garden in front of the house when our neighbor walked over. We talked for a few minutes when we both turned as we heard the sound of an animal running in the gravel drive followed by what sounded like toenails scratching on the sidewalk beside us. Both of us followed the noise visually, and as it came around my legs, our eyes met, the neighbor and I. With my eyes welling up, I said, that's my Tasha, and the sound stopped. Oh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) (sighs) My neighbor left, and we never spoke much after that. I am certain she was running past to let me know when she remembered us, 
and wanted to let us know she was happy. I know what I believe. Not a sweet story. Oh, yeah. I wanted God. you to read it because I know you get choked up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally understand like that feeling, that connection. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they don't, they just don't live that long, you know. And yeah. You know, like when you connect with them, it's like they're it's not going to outlive you. And right. That was sweet, though. That was very sweet. That's why I thought it'd be cool to have one of those um, tortoises you see in the zoo. They're like <laughs> live to be like 150. Exactly. Outlive yeah. you. <laughs> Pass them down generationally. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I knew your grandfather. <laughs> exactly. Uh, maybe next time we'll get one of those. Thanks for that, Wally. That was a good story. Yeah, very sweet, Wally. Appreciate that. Well, we have one final story to wrap up today, and this is a definitely a more traditional kind of spooky ghost story. And this is going to bring us kind of tie in a little bit to what's coming up in the expansion episode, right? Definitely. Okay, great. Well, this comes from Jesse Rodriguez. This is a good one, yeah. And you're right, it does tie in because the location of this town, uh, Real de... Oh, Catorce? Catorce? Real de Catorce? Real de Catorce. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> People are probably thinking, like, why don't they always check the pronunciation? <laughs> no, they should. I try to when I have time. But yeah, this it ties America. in because this town, this town is used a lot for filming movies. Mm. No one ever gets our name right. That's true. Okay, go, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so this town is used a lot for filming uh, American Hollywood movies. Mm. Oh, not Ooh, a lot. American film. Once in a while. So it tie, it does tie into our next, uh, to the Patreon today, which is going to be, you know, the haunted film sets and cursed movies. Neat. So yeah, so this, this came from Jesse Rodriguez. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. There's a pretty cool ghost town my parents visit every year called Real de Catorce. It is rich in history, but is somewhat of an underground destination. The film The Mexican with Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts, great movie, was filmed there. You can only access it via a one-way tunnel, a tunnel that has seen its fair share of deaths by motor vehicle accident. The town used to be a rich mining community and is now a tourist destination for religious Catholics that pay homage to St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah, this, uh, this place it is off the beaten trail, so it is kind of hard to find. It's out of the way. The town is rumored to be haunted, and my dad had a paranormal encounter in one of his visits in the 1960s. He got lost in the town, and no one was around to help. He saw one man walking through the town nonchalantly and called for him. Senor! Senor! The man didn't respond. He continued walking to the cemetery. He followed the man through the cemetery, desperate for some directions on how to get back to the main tunnel entrance. The man continued to ignore him. My dad thought the man was simply hard of hearing. My dad gained on him quickly and was within steps of him as he saw him walk into a crypt in the cemetery. Mm. He followed him inside, only to find it empty. Okay, why would you follow him inside? Because <laughs> <laughs> he needed directions. Yeah. <laughs> if I think it would have been like, hey, I'm out. When you come well, out, can you give me directions? The day. Excuse me, sir, when you're done in that the crypt of dead people. <laughs> come Isn't on that out. a cemetery, though? No, a crypt is specifically like a mausoleum, like a, basically a, right? It's, it's, it's like, like those little stone, stone building. buildings oh. where, where all that's in there is bodies. And yeah, the only above point ground. there is either to visit a that body. That would be really creepy, though. Mm-hmm. Like actually go in the building and it's empty. Yeah, exactly. Especially the building's only like as big as this room, you know? Yeah. Sure, you want to continue? Yeah. He was confused and excited. No, that's what I always thought, but it's exited. Oh. He's <laughs> excited. I've never experienced a disappearing man before. <laughs> I don't know how to feel. He was confused and exited the crypt looking for the man, but there was nobody within sight. He made his way back to the cemetery entrance and retraced his steps back to where he came from and wandered his way back to the main square that was just outside the entrance tunnel. He described the man as being physical, not ghostly or transparent looking, 
and couldn't believe what had just happened. This happened long before I was born, but the town itself has an eerie feel to it. When I visited with my parents on one of the many trips, I asked them if the town was haunted. This was when I was told the story of what happened when my dad was young. I understand things aren't so great right now in Mexico, but it's a beautiful town worth checking out. I haven't been back since my kids were born, but I plan to visit again since I haven't been back since 2008. What I like about that story, though, is the, uh, what's this guy doing? Is he just taking a break from death? Just like wanders out, hangs yeah. out in the town, and then goes back into his crypt some yeah. point? Yeah, he's going for a walk. Yeah. Dia de los Muertos. Day of the Dead. I always wanted to go for that. Was that November 1st? I believe the day after Halloween, All Saints Day. Uh, the day I think of the dead. The day after All Saints Day. It's not the same day, is it? I think it is. Is yeah, it the same day? Yeah, hmm. pretty sure. That would be fun. I, ever since I saw the movie Arrival, but that's maybe when he was up walking around. It, well, he said the town was empty, so then maybe they just don't celebrate there. No, I doubt that. I'm sure it was yeah. just an off day. Yeah, it was an, <laughs> it was off, an day. Off, day. off day. Maybe he just wanted to like stretch his legs. Well, that's the idea of like you know maybe ghosts. You come across them in, in dark hours of the night and kind of desolate places because they want space so maybe they aren't coming out dur- during day of the dead because that and that's the idea behind halloween you know we're dressing up as things to scare the spirits away yeah you know that's it's an interesting point like how annoying would it be to be around a bunch of people all the time who cannot hear or see you think mm-hmm. about that like imagine being at a party and everybody's wasted and you're the sober one and you try to get like one word and there's like no, no, this is, no, and you're like <laughs> god so annoying it's a weird metaphor but i know it what makes you're saying sense, though i know what you're saying like no one's paying attention to you right but you're only surrounded by people who are completely on a different level right yeah, that'd be sad. That'd be sad. And he's wandering back to his crypt. He's like, I'm going to go home. Crypt yeah. wanderer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so let's yeah. read the second part of Jesse's yeah. story. So, so there is an extension onto Jesse's uh, tales here. My parents grew up in a town called Matehuala, which is just outside Real de Catorce. My dad <laughs> nice. purchased a vacant lot next to my grandmother's house that a vagrant named Felipe would squat in. My sister and cousins would have dreams of this creepy old tree that towered over the property. They'd dream of people being hanged from it and hidden treasure at the base of it. We would hear a metal dragging noise along my grandmother's walls adjacent to the property, but assumed it was the homeless man, Felipe, but we called him a loco Felipe, which means the crazy man Felipe. (laughs) He was asked to leave the property, but the noises were still heard. It is a common belief that when a place is haunted, someone's treasure is left there. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. My dad hired someone with the magnetic wands, and they pointed to something at a certain point in the property. My dad hired an excavation crew, and they couldn't find anything, but saw they had dug somewhere else, and he asked why. They said they were testing the equipment, but my dad had his suspicions. The crew mysteriously left without billing my dad, which confirmed his suspicions. I can't say whether or not the noises stopped, but the property was sold to a college professor. This was around the time the downtown area was growing. It was near one of the town plazas that features a nice gazebo and a small church nearby. A great location if you're in the city. My parents have said the town has grown significantly since I've last been. The vacant field in front of their home is now a row of homes, and they have a Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They still go since they have a house they own there, even though I advised against it, since they're elderly now. But it's home to them. 
I hope I didn't bore you with these stories. <laughs> Those are great stories. Yeah, you did, yeah. Jesse. Keep up the great work, and I'm looking forward to hearing your next episodes to come. Yeah, thank you for sending those in, Jesse. Yeah, man, keeping the keeping the whole very rich, and rich with detail and yeah. story. It's an interesting aspect to that the culture there. If places are haunted, it often is because there's a buried treasure. I think that's kind of a unique. You don't hear that a lot. So is that the point? His dad's suspicions was that that they found the treasure. Yeah, and then they left and didn't bill him because they exactly. kept the treasure. Wow. Yeah, I think I would have billed him. You know. <laughs> You did the work. You found the treasure. You should keep it all. No, the the workers found the treasure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and they didn't build a dad because they, Cause found, they fig- That's what his suspicions were. They right. Just, yeah, who does work and then doesn't if pay? They figured they already got paid if it was treasure. They're just like, we're just bouncing. Right, but that's a little... That definitely tips your hand a little yeah, bit. Right? Yeah. But, yeah, But he didn't... I don't think they realized that they would have suspected something, right? right? They're just like, eh, we'll just bounce. They didn't, yeah. If, if they would have been suspectful that they knew that there was treasure out there, maybe they would have. <laughs> suspectful. suspectful. What's the word for that? Suspicious. suspicious. Suspectful. It's like when you're, when you're respectfully suspicious. Suspectful of something. We're a little suspectful. Oh, get over uh, it. That's good. Um, yeah, inter- definitely interesting. And yeah, you're right. There is so much history down there, older towns and... Like real old. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because that place, uh, re- how do you say it again? Real... Real. Real de Catorce? Real de Catorce. Real de Catorce. It's part of Recuta, a site that is sacred to the Huichol Indians high in the mountains of central Mexico. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. Each year, many of the 9,000 remaining Huichol Indians visit Catorce for a spiritual pilgrimage. They believe it's the place where creation began, is this little town. That mountain valley? That mountain valley. And this town is like right at the epicenter or on the cusp. Interesting. Yeah. Just kind of a little, another interesting anecdote. There's some magic to the area. Cool. Yeah, you know, if you're gonna have places that you know people get stuck in, Uixarica. Well, let's go ahead and play that stinger. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's for Alfonso. This right? This is for Alfonso. He goes by Fonz, which is awesome. It's a Fonz. Yeah, lucky guy. Hey. So we appreciate it, man, and hope you enjoy it. Hello, Plimbo. Hello, Rick Two. Hello. How is candidate 61729A4 doing? Oh, Alfonso Delgado you're referring to. Yes. He's doing surprisingly well for a subpar human brain. Excellent, ma'am. Excellent. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, who am I? I had a people burger in the fridge. Oh, Gary. Who is this, Mort? This is Gary. I'm Gary. Gary Miller. (laughs) Gary. Why is he here? He's an intern. He's the new guy. I work here. I've got my things. Gary, shut up and sit down. Okay. Take these probes over to no the... No one has your people burger. Shut up. Take these probes to the sink. How do people Anyways, burger. back to container 6944. He's improving. Good. He's showing good response when will, time. When will we be picking him up? We should be picking him up within the, within the hour. Excellent, excellent. Is that Fonz? You're talking about Fonz? Alfonso Delgado. I like that one. Yes, he is uh, going to be a very good people burger. Oh, good, good. Excellent. Okay, well, let's get ready. I think, though, he's showing some promise in so far as being a candidate for higher level. For higher level. For mixed integration. Really? Yeah. We, I mean, he looks have tasty, too. A, but have you picked out a potential mate? I have. Interesting. His name is Jonathan. He lives in Ohio. No. He runs a podcast. No, it's a female. We oh, need, a female candidate. We need to take one of our species and mix with Alfonso. Right. But our species is hermaphroditic. 
So I assumed, oh, you are one of ours, one of our women. Well, to make the whole point Alfonso. is to mix species. That's a great point. You're not just playing matchmaker no, on no, Earth. No. This okay. is science. Yes, Splepsplar is looking like a good candidate. Splepsplar? Do you have a problem with the scary? Well, we, I, we've been seeing each other for a little bit. We, we have kind of a thing. Gary, this is science. This is the higher mission. It's It takes precedence. But I, I was told that... The maid has been chosen for Alfonso. So, what, can I call? Can we still talk? Gary, shut up and set course to Alfonso's planet. Okay. Dearth. Or Earth, I'm sorry. Dearth. I always get that wrong. <laughs> uh. Oh man! Uh, oh, that's so much fun. That's good. I Plim- hope Alfonso's okay. Plimbo. Yeah, uh, he'll be fine. He's yeah. a smart guy. He can. Yeah, he's gonna get some alien lovemaking. He'll be more than. Fine. Hopefully, you heard that transmission before they got to you, Alfonso, and let us know if you're if you're doing okay. What was the? Uh... Feel bad for Gary. I feel like they don't treat him very well. Yeah, he's a punk. He's just trying. He's just working hard. What's the? Young what was kid. the uh, alien woman's name again? Uh, oh, I don't even remember. Schlors Schlorzen or or uh, Gary should remember. Alfonso remembers. Yeah, he had a good night with her. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't have. A she looked pr- very pretty. Anywho, hope Anywho, you enjoyed that. Yeah, really appreciate your patronage and the special patronage. So we we do appreciate that extra since you came in at the higher tier. Yeah, it means a lot. For those of you who enjoyed that stinger, stick around for after the end of the episode and during the outro music, you can hear a special behind the scenes making of outtakes. Outtakes. Outtakes is, is another them. way to say it. All right. Uh, so now Stitcher. Oh, Stitcher. Oh, Stitcher. Stitcher. We've got a little problem with Stitcher. <laughs> this is a little obnoxious. So we got a stinker. Yeah. So we've had over 100 reviews at this point on platforms like iTunes. Thanks and, to all you guys out there who support yeah, us. And Facebook, you know, spread the word. You guys have been whole. great. You cast by comments. But I so every once in a while, I'll Google belief hole to see or just how our rankings are doing. Like right. You're just, just curious. So I did it the other day. And then the third listing on Google was Stitcher. And apparently we've never, somehow I've never had a review on that platform, but someone left us one star. Yes. Yeah, so, so the third thing you see when you Google us is... Can you read the review? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you, if you want to Google okay, it. Okay. This is oh pretty funny. You want to, oh, you're going to read it. Yeah, we should Uh-oh. read it. That's great. The problem is the fact that it, it came up third on the Google results. So right. We Googled the show. It was like all of a sudden out of nowhere after the you know good reviews, we get this one... It just looks bad. Right. Yeah. And it's okay. not fair. It's an here, introduction that's Here we poor. go. By... Cardi Bear, you c- <laughs> You mean person. You mean person. Okay, astonishing levels of stupidity. Mm. They might be AIs. Check. I think these people are fake people. They are definitely <laughs> not actual friends, nope. and they definitely know absolutely nothing about the paranormal. Also true. If you are a brand new AI about to attend a UFO con, I advise you to check this out. Otherwise, not so much. Good advice. I don't even really fully understand that comment. Oh, I want to know how we're... Fake people. We're fake people. So we're AI we're bots. Most likely AIs, yeah. and we don't know each other. What if we right. are AIs and just don't know it? And I don't know which episode they might have heard something earlier on, but anyways, if you guys could uh, 
balance that those reviews out. <laughs> yeah, we, we love we we really do appreciate all the reviews you guys leave. It really helps our visibility. But yeah, if you happen to be on Stitcher, uh, that's that one, the only place that we were for some reason. We yeah. just had the ones, and I don't mind bad reviews, you know. But right. it's just when we we only have one, and for some reason Google puts that up at the top when you Google it. The fact that they said that we obviously we have no that chemistry. we're robots. It's weird. Yeah. yeah, I am a robot. These don't give us fun star reviews. And that's kind of robot racist, I feel like, a little bit. It like, is. It's yeah. a what if we are AI, but like, it still means a lot to us. Right. You know? Anyway, we don't want to harp on this point. We just wanted to throw it out there in case anybody happens to be a Stitcher listener and they feel like they want to leave a review. You guys want to be a be warrior cool. of the whole? We need you. And we Anyways, you. let's move on to our page. We've got some patrons to thank, and then we're out. So Yes, yeah. thank you for those of you who have helped us and continue to help us because you guys keep us going, keep the show moving. All righty, here we go. Nicholas Daniel, right. you beautiful, beautiful man. Excellent. <laughs> Beth Saffle. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> West Coast Witches Brewing, which was Heidi. We Heidi. had a story from her today. Yeah, thank you. Double time. Yes. Vaughn Marsh. Yes. Aaron Law. Yes. Jose Terrasas. Yes. Michelle Darmo. Yes. Alfonso Delgado. Excellent. Quiet Artist. Yes. Brandon Zay. Excellent. Jessica Bischel. Excellent. Rachel. <laughs> Kayla Hills. Yes. Zach Smith. Yes. Tobin St. Louis. That's yes. a fun name. Sammy Pennington. Hey, Sammy. That's Sammy. Awesome. Sasha Kendall. Excellent. David Meyer. Yes. Alex T. Yes. Teresa A. Lease. Yes. Joel Prentice. Excellent. Thank you guys so much, all of you patrons. Special thanks to all of you. Yeah, and the patrons for March will be reading uh, next episode, probably. Yep, and I think the end of February. We got some in there, too, so... So get ready for, if you are not a patron, you can go sign up now and hear our next episode. Yep. You don't want to wait another two weeks until we release one. You want to do it now. Yeah, and you want to get all the extra ones that we have backlogged so far. So go to beliefhole.com, click on the Patreon button, and sign up for the expansion level tier. Get all those bonus episodes. We work really hard for you guys trying to get you interesting content, so we do really appreciate the patrons that sign up to keep us going. Absolutely. Yeah, those are definitely full, rich, lovable episodes. Definitely compelling. Tonight's is going to be pretty interesting with the Curse of the Ohm and the Exorcist and getting into uh, the Brandon Lee stuff here is pretty cool, I think. The, yeah, there seems to be a kind of generational curse, or at least that's what some could say, connecting Bruce Lee to Brandon Lee and the kind of the tragedy involved in that and the, the mystery of the deaths and how they connect to one another. And Right, is it all coincidence? I'm looking forward to the Exorcist part. I think that'll be interesting. Yeah, it's all going to be interesting, Sean. I know, but I like that. <laughs> I like- <laughs> all right, guys. You're, you like it, but after we finish, you're going to be like, that was dark. That was too dark. And it's still light out here, so I'll be yeah, right. true. We'll have to get it's, to it it's quick. It's not fun when you have EVPs and it's like nine o'clock and you're finishing and then you guys leave and, and like, I'm in this ya. big house by myself. <laughs> Sleep tight. <laughs> Should have a sleepover. Yeah. Like the old days. All right, guys. Well, if you're a patron, stick around and... No, you don't stick around. You have to go to Patreon. Oh, you know, that's a figure of speech. I know. You're a patron. Get ready to hang out with us a little longer. Grab a boo, boo-boo. Grab a boo-boo. Grab a boo-boo. Gig a baba. <laughs> and we'll Grab see you in the hole. Grab a yeah, well, we might have a drink. Yeah, crack a beer, uh, drink some more coffee if you need it. Do what have you got to do. Whatever you do to relax and enjoy yourself. Put on an 80s flick. Yeah, that's always helpful. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and stay tuned because we're about to get a little creepy and definitely have a lot of fun. We're going to have tons of fun. Thank you guys for listening again. And for those of you who are not going to meet us on the other side, make sure you lock your doors tonight. Yeah, Light up the candles. Be watching, my friends. Yeah, because a burglar could try to get in if you leave. I was it open. going with ghost, but burglar, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a burglar could get in. <laughs> burglar is yeah. a fun word. If you're by yourself, say burglar and then laugh to yourself because it's a word that shouldn't be around well, anymore. It's the, the verb of it is. I was better. burgled. I was burgled. <laughs> I've been burgled. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining, and we will see you next time on the Belief Hole. Belief Hole.
You have, I could have like a Jewish kind of name, like Schlorpenstein or something. Oh, well, too. Necrom. Necrom. Gary Miller. Gary the intern. You, you yeah. should ask, John. It should, be, it should go like this. You come in, you ask, like, how this guy's Gary, doing. Gary, how is... No, you don't ask him. He's the intern. So you ask me, and then you say, who's What's this guy? What's your name? I don't know what your name is. Well, I know. I'm just trying what to... What is it? Give, yeah, what uh, is it? It's hard. How about... Uh, Stinksy. Frager. Stinksy. Stinksy. (laughs) (laughs) Frager. No, Frager. It's too friendly. Lipnod. Lipnod. (laughs) (laughs) It should end with like a orc or Or, or, a kiss. Like a blue kiss or something. What's the what's this thing's Gumcloth. So something Goomcloth. Or Goomcloths? Or yeah. Goomcloth fields of Yeah, form. but get two G's. No, we gotta I'm not something. saying that, I'm just saying it should sound with that kind of sound like a like a great how about Grieger? You're doing the G's again. What's wrong with the G? I'm Gary. Oh. How about a Borch? How about Plimbo? Borch? Plimbo. Plimbo. I like Plumbo. 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 Gary and Erectu. Erectu. So Erectu is gonna come in and ask Plumbo how Plumbo. Plumbo. Yeah. Erectu and Plumbo. You're gonna ask Plumbo how how so just make up a number like subject one nine A B you know whatever. And then I'll say, oh, Alfonso Del... You mean Alfonso okay. Delgado. He's improver or whatever. And then you say, we don't give him names. We don't give them names. Let me get to my point. At some point, you're going to real, realize he's here. You're no. like, who's this guy? I'm going to come in the room. It's gonna The door's going to open. It's going to One of those doors, you know, the sliding doors. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to ask who, who ate my people burger. You're making this too complicated. Who ate my people burger? Yeah. Because it's like this is the intern comes okay. in and it's like someone ate my people burger out of the fridge. Then, kind of then you ask, who's this guy? After you come in. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to be like, why is this random? Okay, okay, okay. And maybe like speak with a low voice like this. So, okay, we have to do that anyway, probably. It'd be funnier if we were a little bit lower like this. And then okay. when it's pitched down, it'll be even funnier. Okay. okay. Let's talk fast. Okay. Okay, okay let's try. Are you heard me? Okay.